0: Buenos dias. Good morning. Can we have another round of applause for Rafael? I am so grateful because this is the music of my heart. The music of the Andes brings me wonderful, wonderful nostalgic memories. Welcome everyone. If you are at home or here in the sanctuary, we welcome you to a very, very special service. Today we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. It's an opportunity for us to recommit ourselves as a community to developing and nurturing those important partnerships with community, with our indigenous neighbors, and to learn how to be a good ally and co-conspirator. Today is also an opportunity for me to talk a little bit more about me and where I come from and my family and the journey that is developing an identity as a multicultural immigrant. And so I hope that my little offering today will honor my ancestors and will reaffirm that what we do here at eShore is important. It's important because it helps us to transform and to grow and to learn. And it's important because it's something that we do as a Unitarian Universalist movement. And it's important because it ripples out into the universe, making this world a better place, a more loving place. So welcome. So this came out a little more academic than I intended. So here it goes. It is estimated that there are more than 2 million Chileans who identify as indigenous, 1.7 million Mapuches, 156,000 Aymaras, and 88,000 Diaguitas. There are also Rapanui, Atacameños, Licanantay, Quechua, Colla, Chango, Quehuescar, and Yagan. Every time I read statistics like these, I wonder... Who have they missed? Who didn't make it into the census records? Who did not rise up to the purity levels to deserve that identity? On my maternal great-grandmother's side, my family are from the lands inhabited by Coyas, Changos, and Diaguitas. Coyas from the Atacama Desert and the provinces of Copiapó and Chañaral. Changos from the northern coast of Antofagasta, Atacama, and Coquimbo. Changos were not recognized formally as an indigenous ethnic group until 2020. The Diaguitas originally lived on both sides of the Andes Mountains. In Chile, before the arrival of the Spaniards, Diaguitas lived in the valleys of Copiapó where my mother was born, Huasco, Elqui, Limarichuapa, Atacama, and Coquimbo. I have never identified with any of these indigenous groups because I never felt that I had the right to do so. After all, I grew up in an urban setting, speaking Spanish, and identifying only as Chilena. It was only recently within just the past decade that I began to question, to explore, to reflect, to pray, to research, and reach out to my family to learn more about our family from Northern Chile. The fact that I immigrated to the United States when I was almost 17 years old and have lived most of my life here in this country doesn't help when I question where do I belong? Who are my people? Hilary Weaver writes that indigenous identity is a complex subject, and she asks, what constitutes indigenous identity? Native Americans, for example, are members of sovereign nations that predate colonial settler societies. In settler societies, inclusion has often meant assimilation, a form of forced or coerced participation in the larger society and the loss of indigenous identity. Weaver poses that the topic of indigenous identity opens up a sort of Pandora's box of possibilities. Tribal identity, bicultural identity, multicultural identity, ethnicity, acculturation, cultural identity among many other variables. Self-identification, Community identification and external identification are all facets of indigenous identity, all impacted and intersected by colonization and internalized oppression. Weaver focuses on cultural identity which reflects the values, beliefs, and the worldviews of indigenous people. Whoops. Identity, she states, is a composite of many things such as the region you come from, your gender, your race, education, your religion. And the influence of these aspects of identity on who someone is as an indigenous person is likely to change over time. Because identity development is a lifelong and dynamic process, and it involves multiple dimensions integrated in a holistic self, shaped by developmental stages and contexts. Cultural identity development involves lifelong journeys, introspection. She says that identities are always fragmented, multiply constructed, and intersected in a constantly changing, sometimes conflicting array. And I ask what does it feel like for one's identity to be always fragmented? How is my fragmented indigenous identity similar to and different from my one's fragmented gender and sexual orientation identity? When I was in seminary, I was a teaching fellow in a class about indigenous sovereignty. One of the books we read was titled, real indians identity and survival of native america the book taught us about being on the brink of a new racial consciousness questioning all ways of classifying people and replacing those old ways with shifting paradigms and new forms of racial identity the author eva marie gorot examines the changing processes of racial identification and their implications by looking specifically at the case of American Indians. From this book, we learned about blood quantum, how purity is measured in order to identify who belongs and who doesn't. This was very useful for people who wanted to take land away from indigenous people. Eva Marie begins by saying in her book, in one sense, I'm just the kind of person who might write this book. I'm light-skinned, mixed-race person, one who found her way back in adulthood to the Cherokee Nation that her father was born into and grew up in and left. I know a great deal about scuffles over American Indian identity, both from a personal and academic perspective. In another sense, she says... I'm unlikely to be the person to write this book. As such, perhaps it would be more likely to have been written by someone whose indisputable racial authenticity confers upon them a greater authority to speak on such a difficult question. The question of racial authenticity has been gaining greater currency and needs to be explored, she says. For me, growing up in Chile, I learned that the worst epithet that one could use against another was to call them indios. We were taught about indigenous people in our history classes as if they were no longer alive, as if the very teachers teaching the lessons didn't have indigenous cultural heritage, never mind the students. We were told that there were only certain legitimately recognized indigenous groups. There was no room for messiness, for mix-ups, for multiculturalism, or the recognition that this was the result of the colonization process. The mere assertion that our world has become more complex and diverse than our textbooks prescribed is a good point of beginning for this reflection. Implicit in our lessons was the notion that if you didn't live in a particular geographical region, speaking a particular indigenous language, you were not indigenous at all. You could distance yourself from that heritage because you lived in a city, spoke Spanish, and no government agency would recognize you as an indigenous person. So we were taught to develop a national pride rooted exclusively in our identity as Chilena, Chileno. We learned that patriotism meant denying our indigenous roots. We learned that speaking perfect Spanish was a ticket to better opportunities. We learned that wearing clothes imported from the United States or Europe was modern and cool and that true culture was to be found in Europe we learned to reject the hand-woven sweaters the embroidered blouses the colorful ponchos and hats knitted with alpaca wool our traditional music and dances and religious ceremonies were replaced with those more cultured foreign influences but back Then I didn't know about the doctrine of discovery or the role of the church in the process of doing away with indigenous people and their cultures. I didn't know that our Mapuche warriors fought back against the Spaniards and then against the colonial Chilean government for over three centuries and in fact, are still struggling to protect their land, their rivers, their trees, their families and their ways of being. I didn't know then that the land where my maternal great-grandmother was born in was once part of the Inca Empire, that northern Chile was once Peru. But that's another sermon. (laughs) That's another history lesson. But now I know that the indigenous surroundings and environment and people and ways of being They all influenced our language, our farming, our relationship with nature and animals, and our spirituality. It took me decades, actually until very recently, to be able to claim any part of my indigenous heritage, my mixed blood, my multicultural ancestry, my impure blood quantum, because I didn't feel authentic enough. It wasn't until 2015 at the General Assembly in Portland that I was invited to participate along with other UU religious professionals who identify as Latinx, multicultural, and indigenous in the opening ceremony welcoming the Lummi Nation leaders. We open the welcoming ceremony with the following invocation and song. We gather in the presence of all that is most holy the sky above us, the bright sun, the moving river, the great mountain, the love that moves in and among us, the great spirit of life that holds us all. We gather to bear witness. We gather to offer up our commitments to our beloved planet Earth and all her beings. We gather to make real change. And we lit our chalice, and we said, let us receive Three breaths together, and now I invite you to breathe with me. Breathe in, breathe out. I am here. Breathe in, breathe out. You are here. Breathe in, breathe out. We are here together. When it was my turn to speak, no one asked to see my papers or to verify my blood quantum or how do I dare call myself indigenous. I started by expressing my gratitude for the words spoken and I said that as Unitarian Universalists, we need to be leaders in this moral struggle to protect our environment, including the people. That the solutions we work for must be grounded in authentic community partnerships with our indigenous neighbors. As I look back on that ceremony, I realize how healing it was for me to be accepted. To be able to identify how proud I felt of our Unitarian Universalist faith that recognizes strength and beauty in diversity, that encourages us to live into our authentic, intersectional, muddy, messy selves, and that supports our ongoing unfolding of identities to make us whole. Ours is a faith tradition that offers hope as we embark on spiritual journeys that include developing relationships with ourselves, This also includes recognizing that among us, there are many people who identify as multicultural. Many who might be wrestling with their own intersectional identities, not only as indigenous, but queer, transgender, non-binary, pansexual, or struggling with the ways the society views their choice about creating families that are often judged or shunned negatively, such as polyamory. Perhaps there may be people wrestling with the intersection of their gender, sexual orientation, class, race, and immigration status. Perhaps we have people here or at home asking right now, am I that? Can I call myself that? Who gets to decide? Who is there for us when we are wrestling with these questions? Who are my people? The people who will never ask to see my passport. The people who will never ask me to justify my existence in order to afford me the dignity of embracing who I am. The people who will not count my blood drops or test my indigenous language skills or tell me where I do or don't belong. The people who will encourage me to claim all of who I am. Are there people who romanticize being indigenous, who are superficial in their exploration of self, who claim indigenous connections without accountability? Sure. And our role is not to be the identity police. Our role as a community is to help each other journey together. Support people who are in search of their authentic self. Give them cultural connections. Bear witness to people so they can define for themselves who they are within ethical and accountable frameworks. This brings us back to the question of how important autonomy is. The struggle for self-determination Have you ever felt hesitant to claim any part of yourself? Have you ever been made to feel that you don't have the right to claim that part of yourself? Right now, I want you to know that I see you. Right now, I want you to feel in your heart being embraced completely, unconditionally. Right now, you are the one to decide who you are, where you want to go, and who the people around you will be to share that journey with you. Self-determination. It's a precious, precious gift that no one should be denied. We are a community, an intentional community, and we are here to support and love each other. We may not understand the issue completely, but that's okay. It's not our job to understand, our job, our calling Is to love, is to love, is to love. Taking a deep breath for me and for all of us struggling and for all of us celebrating this day. Perhaps today will be the beginning. Perhaps today will give you that extra amount of love that inspires courage to open up those places within you that have been closed for a long time, that haven't been tended to, that haven't been named, because fear is real, rejection is real, internalized oppression is real, This world was not designed to encourage us to unfold into our true authentic selves. That's why we need community. That's why this community is so vital and life-giving. This is where we get hope and courage. So for this moment, just for this breath, know that who you are whether spoken out loud or whether held in your heart until the time is right, is holy, is precious, is held in unconditional love. So, beloved, what I have learned so far is that it is good to explore, to question, to research, to journey into our own selves. I have experienced closer family connections. I have asked for the stories about my ancestors. I am trying to record and write down all these pieces of the quilt and arpillera that make who I am. I appreciate the music of the Andes as the music of my heart, and I am so proud to share that with you. Most of all, I have been moved to tears at the realization that in my family today, we can reclaim that beautiful part of ourselves with joy, with pride. Yes, we mix Catholic prayers with ofrendas to Pachamama. No, we don't speak any indigenous languages, But we as a family have reclaimed important ceremonies and rituals to honor our ancestors. And that is the blessing. That is a beautiful gift, not just for me, but my duty is to share it with my son and with you, my community. So on this Indigenous Peoples Day and every day, let us be grateful. Let us be grateful that we are here that we are still praying to fire, to water, to air, to Mother Earth. Let us always call on the rivers, the trees, and the mountains as our relatives for support. Let us recognize that we need them to exist. Let us value community in our interdependence, and let us hold within ourselves the wisdom of our elders and their recipes for good medicine for healing body and soul. My hope is that we continue to honor our commitment to nourish our partnership with our indigenous neighbors. My prayer is that we may all be opening, open to learning their ways of being, and honoring ourselves in doing so. Identity is not something out there. It's in here, within us. Together, we can bring healing to ourselves. Together, we can bring healing to our families, to our communities, to the world. We are here to work together, to form an alliance, to protect the earth for the next generation. And this includes the people. This includes you, because you are holy, because you are beautiful. Amen. Amen, and blessed be. Now I'm going to invite my mother, Lassie, and Arthur, and Rafael, and whoever else wants to join us in singing a song by Mercedes Sosa. It's Canción Con Todos, a song with everyone. And it says, Salgo a caminar por la cintura cósmica del sur, piso en la región más vegetal del viento y de la luz. Siento al caminar toda la piel de América en mi piel, y anda en mi sangre un río que libere en mi voz su caudal. I am journeying around the cosmic waste of South America. I am stepping into a region of wind and light on my journey, I feel on my skin the skin of Latin America. In my blood, there is a raging river liberating my voice. I see the high sun of Peru, the solitary face of Bolivia, how the green of Brazil kisses my chile of copper and mineral. I am rising from the bowels of America, from the very root of a voice destined to grow and explode.